Hello, and welcome to the Rogues in the House podcast. I am your host, I suppose, Matt John. I am joined by my uh, usual rogues in this house, Dean and Logan. Hello, hello. Good afternoon. Yes, say hi, gentlemen. Don't be rude. (laughs) And we have a special guest tonight. A special guest uh, whom you are familiar with already because he's been here before. It is Mr. Howard Andrew Jones. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. It's great to be back. Glad to have you. It wasn't so long ago, was it? No. But uh, actually, we got a message in our inbox from The Skull, and it said uh, there was demands that Howard needed to come on the show. So we said, yes. And we aim to please. Well, he asked benevolently, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you got a lot of stuff going on. So, like, it makes sense to come back. Right. Yeah. There might be some collusion involved, but uh, I will speak (laughs) no more of that skull. I don't know. I don't want to get on its bad side. That's a good call. (laughs) Yeah. The the folk knowledge around uh, the interwebs tells me I should tread, tread lightly. So uh, in usual fashion, I think we're going to jump into um, each one of us has uh, taken a hit from the holy pipe um, and <laughs> whatever that means. All right. We, we've, we've, drunk of well. the, we've drunk of the Lankmarian mead and uh, we have found ourselves stumbling around the bazaar of the bazaar. And that demands that we have something to talk about. Yeah. Gentlemen. Is there anyone who has something just so immediately pressing that they feel the need to discuss? Mm, I'll say I'll start. I will okay. start. Give this, this is uh, um, you know that I'm not much of a video gamer, but That's I'm true. thinking of getting back into video gaming because I just saw the trailer drop for the I know it's not sword and sorcery, but it's still it's cool. The Call of Duty Stalingrad game that just came out or oh, is sure. coming out. And Stalingrad. Hmm. Stalingrad. And I played Call of Duty like incessantly with my son when the first ones came out. And this looks like a nice callback to the originals. And it looks really tight and really cool. Taking place in the Siege of Stalingrad, which is one sure. of the most epic battles ever fought by humankind. So <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of study on Stalingrad and it's, it's cool to think, you know, Hey, now I'm going to go play that game and have some fun with it. So I'm thinking that you haven't seen the trailer. So I'll have no. to look that up. Um, yeah, it's cool to see like, so it's not that I hate modern warfare, but like call of duty has dabbled in like the near future and even mm-hmm. far future recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that old world war two stuff is cool. Like it's time for a good world war two. I think. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I think so. I think so. And I'm I'm hesitant to say that I've also got something a lifelong dream of mine may come to fruition in October, but with uh the way things are in the world, I don't know if it's actually going to happen. So I don't know. I kind of want to reveal it, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah does, that, does that jinx it? Exactly. That's what that, that's what I'm going at. That's what I'm going at. I, well, listen, I, you've got you've got some time beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. You could even uh, wait till next episode if you're afraid yeah. of such a thing. I think so. I think I will wait for that. But I just like wanted to call thing. it. Yeah, I would call attention to the the new Call of Duty 
Stalingrad game that is coming out. I haven't played video games in a long time, but I think this one might drag me back sure. in. Sure. Right. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, those, those games are AAA games. They're, they come out every year, but mm-hmm. you, you know, you're getting quality from a technical standpoint, right? If nothing. Else. Right. Yeah. 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 That's Absolutely. cool. Uh, who wants to go next? Logan, you're going. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Um, mine is actually also on the video game front. Um, I am, I am, I'm not a huge video gamer either because time and there are mm. time sinks. But my uh, my best friend, French, if you're listening, this is because of you, sent me last night at like 10 o'clock a trailer for a new Marvel game made by the people who did XCOM, which is like a strategy alien fighting kind of game. So it's like turn-based, but it's called Midnight Suns. And it's got a lot of my favorite superheroes in it. So Doctor Strange... I love Ghost Rider, even the Nick Cage one. Um, it's got Wolverine in it. And like, so there's a, a bunch of heroes, but you're like an original hero that gets to command them. And I guess you're trying to stop the resurrection of Lilith, who's like the mother of demons, um, seems to be like the plot. Um, and while it's a long shot, a lot of the Savage Avengers are in the game. And I think it'd be super cool if like maybe... Uh, the people that cabinet maybe were listening and would be like, okay, can you put Conan in this game? Cause I totally want to see Conan fight demons alongside uh, Wolverine and, and like Johnny blaze and, and Dr. Strange long shot. I know, but like, that's the first thing that I saw. And I was like, Conan's got to be in it, but he probably won't, but still, you know, one can dream. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think is more likely? And also, in my opinion, would be more awesome. Put Conan as a guest character in Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, right? that'd be rad, too. Their whole deal is guest characters. Yeah, Alien, yeah. Predator, Leatherface, Terminator, Robocop. Yeah. Like, come on. Rambo. Yeah, Rambo. <laughs> yeah, is... no, that'd be super cool. I'd be down for that, too. I'm terrible at fighting games. Just so bad. Oh, man. Um, come on. But I would, I would buy it for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Howard, you got something up your sleeve there? Well, I've been enjoying a whole lot of some John Mannix Roberts work mm-hmm. that I've never read before. And he's probably best known to listeners of Rogues mm-hmm. in the House as the guy who wrote some of the very best Conan pastiche. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for years I've been hearing about his SPQR Roman Republic mystery series. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? I finally got around to reading them, and they're very good. That's intriguing. That sounds like I need to put that on my list. Yeah, I actually have them on my list, but I haven't read them. So so first off, they're kind of hard-boiled Roman mysteries, so you're going to get some fisticuffs and some action. And um, the mysteries are very solid. They're, they're really good mysteries. The immersion into the period is incredible. The more you read, you really get a sense of the period. And not just a superficial sense. He's hanging out, the, the main character, the narrator, is hanging out with all sorts of famous Romans right at the dying of the Republic. So you actually get to know uh, Cicero and Caesar and and Crassus uh, wow. and Pompey and all of these people bit by bit. And you also get a sense for just how complex the politics were and how broken things were. And you get a sense of the society and the culture and how much like us it was and yet how very weird it was at the same time. Uh, and you get attached to the characters, including some of the minor characters that pop up from book to book 
and the more I read them, the more I like them. I, I've wow. really enjoyed it. Um, have you read any of the Marine McCullough First Man series? Uh, First Man of Rome series? You know, I, I had the first one of those a while ago, and I can't lay hands on it. Those are some thick books. Oh, I've read them all. They're like, yeah, they're like Good. about about like two and a half, like 2000 pages. It yeah, seems they're like, like real time size, right? And they are fantastic. She actually got an honorary doctorate in Roman history for writing those books. Holy oh, cow. Wow. Yeah. I've been curious about them. I, I'm always put off by, by books that size. Start <laughs> with, yeah, start with the grass crown. And then the first man in Rome is the next one. And it starts all the way back with uh, Sulla. Sulla right? yeah, yeah, it's fantastic stuff. You will oh. love it. Uh, I will just throw in that uh, recently I sat down with a buddy of mine and watched a couple episodes of HBO's Rome. Um, oh, what a what a fun show! So oh, I, I wish that I had kept going. It. My God, yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was just terribly expensive. Um, I've heard that, but on paper, so interesting, right? An HBO show. It's on Rome. John Milius was involved. Like, mm-hmm. I think he was uh, he was kind of the brainchild behind it. I did not know that. Yeah. So. I, I had I had previously watched several episodes and then I think whatever source I was watching it on, I, I couldn't continue. But then I purchased the Blu-rays at a flea market for a few bucks and I'd always meant to rewatch it. And then uh, we watched a few episodes and I was like, damn, I got to I got to keep going on this. It's a good series. It really, yeah, is. It really um, is. Yeah. And uh, to kind of tag along with what Howard was saying, um, reading books that haven't read in a while. I just started picking it up. You guys will love it in case we have another podcast on it. Rereading my uh, Michael Moorcock Elric series. Oh, yeah. I really want to do that. That's I'm trying to find some of the books, but they're a little more expensive than Fafford and the Gray Mouser. Mm-hmm. So. I yeah. still have my old uh, two-book hardback collection of it from, what was that, the Sci-Fi Book Club? But, of course, at this point, there's so many extra books that have been slipped in between. I, I've lost track of the chronology at this point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, Elric was we did one episode on it, just kind of getting our feet wet. We've all read, you know, snatches of it. Um, but that was an immensely popular episode. Yeah, I think it's our our still most most listened to. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a market for that. But of course, the (laughs) there's the Witcher situation, right, where I guess uh, like that there, there were there was meetings, things were progressing on an Elric television series. And it ultimately came down to it was too similar to The Witcher, which is just a harsh what? piece of irony, right? I don't. Oh yeah. I just I don't. Mean, I don't get that. I don't see how it's that well, close. Think of, it, think of it this way: if you're if you're a, a Hollywood suit, right, and someone comes in and on paper they're like, okay, so it's a swordsman, sort of. He's got white hair. He takes drugs uh, to keep him level to do these things to work this sorcery to do this job. And sometimes, you know, if that's if those are your talking points, the, the unimaginative would be like, oh, it's too much like The Witcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, know I if that. that's what it is, but I I believe it was Moorcock who had said that. Um, I'm not going to quote it for sure, but yeah, that's that's what I, I was under the impression me. that Moorcock like had at least attempted some kind of lawsuit um, oh, because yeah. like Elric is called the White Wolf. and um gerald is the white wolf and they have the whole everything you just described and i don't think it went anywhere and i'm not even sure if it like came to any kind of fruition but um i think that he has a little bit of um 
bad blood. And I might be talking about butt here, but I've read that in a couple of places. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, because when you read those, because honestly, I've read the Witcher books. I don't really like them. I, I yeah. think there's really yeah. cool ideas. I like the characters. I like the world. But the prose is a little flat for me. And that's probably because it's a translation sure. um, from Polish. But uh, the two things, when you really dive into them, don't seem alike at all. Right. right the the right. vibe, the tone, it's all different. But those sort of bullet points, um, I guess, are a problem for having it move forward. Well, that's really sad. Mm. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we'll get a Fafford and Grey Mouser series, buddy cop series to make it all happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about Chronicles of Amber? How come that one has never been made? That's been screaming for a mini series for years now. Mm. I have heard people at the Whetstone Discord talk about Chronicles of Amber, but to be completely honest, I've never heard about it until this year, and I don't know anything at all about it. Oh, so, oh, yeah. I, I that's, just me, that's me pressing my heart. Oh. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i've never read it i didn't know anything about it until very recently um tell you the truth so it's okay, on the list read it read it okay yeah. i will i will howard yeah. said to i'll do it yeah the first five <laughs> books you don't need to worry about the second series okay um but the first five my goodness that is uh that is some great stuff Okay. Don't okay. don't read ahead and find out because there's secrets within secrets and intrigue and uh, sure. all kinds of wonderful surprises. No, that's great. I'll give you something to look forward to. Awesome. And it's it's short. Yeah, they're not door stoppers. Yeah, it's five that. books, but each of them would fit into one wheel of time book. I, I mean, all the entire series is the length of one modern doorstop fantasy. Okay. Mm. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. That's a whole other topic I would like to dig into are the merits of doorstop fantasy versus novellas and et cetera. I saw um, Not a deal that. Mark Lawrence, uh, uh, author, was talking on, I think it was the Fantasy Faction page about, he was kind of soliciting questions about, you know, like now something is called a novella, like they'll refer to a novella if it's like 80 or 90,000 words. And it's like- yeah back in the day you only needed what 40 or something to be considered a novella yeah, yeah exactly uh gosh i think i was talking to him uh, in a very similar conversation uh, mm. not too long ago and yeah um we we're comparing notes about that i can remember when desert of souls came out my first novel some people saying i get weird comments like oh for such a short novel uh he yeah. does a really good job of world building i'm like my god yeah well, thank you but there's people who are doing way more complex world building than me in short stories back in the day people yeah. have gotten so used to these immense fantasy novels where they don't have to where they can take forever to get to a point and just try to impress us with the fireworks i don't know i, I guess you can see my prejudice against big fat fantasy coming through there yeah yeah well i mean and that's fine too like I you know, too because I'm, I, sure there's, I'm sure there's some great ones. As a matter of fact, I know that there's definitely some great ones uh, because I've read some and I'm reading one right now in manuscript that a friend of mine has written. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's big fat fantasy, but it is not padded. Yeah. So it is possible to write some really great stuff. But so often I see people, they make it big by making it slow, by adding in scenes that need to be on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And sure. when I see people use big fat fantasy to... Uh, slap some of us who prefer not to write it around you know 
that, yeah, yeah. that's irritating. I guess it makes oh, yeah. it, it makes me a little prickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, in some ways, if you're an established author um, and your publisher is like, yeah, write more. We're all about it. Go for it. I feel like I feel like for me, that might be easier to write um, something where I can just kind of have a weird scene that I happen to like that goes on forever, but isn't completely integral to the plot because I'm, you know, I'm charactering, right? I'm doing characterizations. I don't know. In some ways it's, um, I, I like that short stories train you to cut the fat. And so, whereas I cut my teeth learning to write from short stories, yeah. I feel like I wouldn't, I would not need all that space to write a novel, but again, I'm, I'm green, right? I'm green to things novel. So it's a, it's an interesting, like I say, it's an interesting conversation. I think we could do a whole episode on it. Yeah, no, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Well, I guess it leaves me. What so, you probably need to do is read a whole bunch of big fat fantasy novels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I That's have. What you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I've, I read the first two Wheel of Times and then I decided I'm tapping out. It's yep. I don't need to go down this whole road. I read all. Oh, of no, some. I think I think for a proper discussion, you need to read all. What is it? Ten or is it fourteen? I, I I've lost. I think it's like fourteen or something. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, have you should read them all twice. And then have a discussion. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll see you in 10 years, man. <laughs> That's the thing. I don't read quickly either. So if I'm, if I'm looking at a big yeah. fat book, I have to decide, do I love this enough to commit, you know, this much time to I'm an old man and I fall asleep. I'm an old man. Yeah. Well, that's I'm, part of it. I mean, those big books do require a lot of time and, and that's why yeah. I kind of pass over them. They intrigue me, but at the same time, I'm much more inclined to pick up a smaller novel that has oh, yeah. just as much meat only because of the time commitment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an attractive prospect now to see a book um, that's around 300 pages, 400 pages even. I'm like, that. I don't need to think too hard on that. I will read that. So, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see where the market goes, right? It's funny that you mentioned 300-page books. You know, oh, I like, yeah. I like that link. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I feel like I read one of your books. It was around that length, and I quite enjoyed it, too. Did not overstay its welcome. It had, a, it had arcs. It had character. It had resolution. I tell you. Well, that's awesome. I like to hear that. <laughs> so before we crack into it, last time we had uh, Sarah Frazetta on the show, which was awesome. Um, but my bizarre choice got got um, taken. Uh, listen, I didn't care. We just scrapped it and kept going. But I have got this uh, this raw nostalgia that I've been uh digging into lately with um masters of the universe now we're going to do an episode on this and i know a lot of people will roll their eyes at masters of the universe and i get it it is john a Fultz. what's that john fault yeah yeah john Fultz, yeah <laughs> yeah he's no fan we've had him on the show and i've seen him chime in on masters of the universe but uh it's funny because for a lot of people that in some ways was their introduction to I mean, not to sword and sorcery or to sword and planet, but the aesthetic, the idea, right? To, to kind of have jack dudes doing things or high adventure or swords and villains with skull faces. I mean, in a lot of ways, if you were born or, or you came up in the 80s, that was a big deal. And so it left an impression on me and blah, blah, blah. There's a new show, which we'll do an episode on. But there is a line of toys called Masters of the Universe Origins. 
And what these are are essentially reissues of the old ones. So the same sort of squat dimensions, super jacked bodies that don't make any sense, <laughs> but they have, they have made them with this um, modern articulation. So you can pose them really well. Like I swear to God, I sit on the coach, I'm watching a show and I have one of these things in my hand, just putting them in cool battle poses. And I have a five-year-old, so I have a really good excuse to go and buy them and open them. So I've been doing that and like, it's getting out of control. I'm like hunting them down on websites. Um, and I'm just really, because it's, it's a direct link to my childhood. Right. And I, mean, mm -hmm. I think we all know how we are, we are all in the process of repurchasing our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. We're having our, our, our childhoods uh, sold back to us mm -hmm. um, and I'm okay with it. Like I'm signing up for it. I know what I'm getting into. I looked at these things about a year ago on the store shelves and said, Ooh, that's dangerous. <laughs> I gotta be careful of that. But yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, it's something about those colors and those classic designs. And I mean, a television show that's, well, sorry, uh, an idea that started as selling action figures, right? The action figures came first and then they made a show to sell it, but just these funky designs and the crazy colors, it's its own little, uh, it's its own little slice and uh, I'm really into it. And if you at all are thinking like, ooh, I could see myself falling down that uh, hole, maybe don't or stay away. Don't purchase. Like, don't buy that merman. I bought a merman and I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And now I'm testing. Gotta buy the merman. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for my, uh, for my bizarre pick. And I think we are, we've all, we're all stumbling out of the bizarre now yeah. after that whatever I don't know what I said earlier. We uh, it got us in there, but so our guest tonight is Howard Andrew Jones, and he is back, and he's got news. Um, if you don't know who Howard is, uh, he is an author, he is an editor, he is an academic of sorts. He is not a farmer. I said before one time that he was, but he has ducks, which is rad. Um, it's funny. I, I'm the only person I know who thinks that having ducks is rad. But go on. <laughs> Apparently, having ducks qualifies you as a farmer. Yeah, it's yep. funny. I, I live like um, on a trail, and and just beyond my window is like this little wetland, right? So I'll see ducks wandering around aimlessly sometimes. And uh, last time I saw them, I thought, you know, there's a little bit of Howard Andrew Jones. I've got ducks in my yard. Look at that. <laughs> but anyhow uh howard is here uh i mean in some ways because he's a total rogue and likes talking about this stuff um but in other ways he's got a new book out um this week and i'm gonna let him basically give you a an elevator pitch on this series and why people need to go buy it if you're a fan of heroic fantasy howard Tell us about this. Tell us about the series and, and this new book. Well, I don't know if you were listening to me uh, describe all the reasons I love Big Fat Fantasy so much, but um, this is all about the pacing and the hook and the characters. It's supposed to grab you with a little bit of mystery, intrigue you, and then pretty soon pull you forward. And if you're a fan of Amber, it's kind of a love letter to the Chronicles of Amber. If you've never read Amber, then what you're dealing with is kind of like a... Um, Oh, a friend of mine, uh, Eric Knight, recently said it would be sort of like if the Knights of the Round Table had a little bit more magic to them 
And uh, all of a sudden, Morgana Le Fay turned out to secretly have assumed the throne. So there's all kinds of intrigue going on behind the scenes. Two of the characters are framed for murder and have to run, pursued by their, their elite champions of their nation, uh, pursued by the people who are their friends who think that they've done this terrible deed. Uh, at the same time, there's an invasion underway, and the queen's up to whatever the queen is up to, which you're not going to find out about right away. Uh, and then all sorts of other things begin to unspool and there's secrets within, within secrets about the way the world really works and uh, characters uh, characters and hidden motivations so yeah i hope that you will dig it and at, at not being a terrible host what is this series called what is the what is your most current title the series is called the ring sworn trilogy the first book which is until the end of August available on uh, Kindle on sale for $2.99. The first book is For the Killing of Kings. And the newest book is When the Goddess Wakes. And that is the third and final. So all three books of the trilogy uh, are complete and available. You can, since the second one picks up just a few minutes after the first one ends, and the third one picks up maybe, maybe 15 minutes after the second one ends, um, while each one is does have a beginning middle and end they very much form a complete unit so here's something i want to put out to all of the listeners and consumers of fantasy books i hear so often in groups um, people hesitant to purchase a series unless the series is complete which is kind of destructive to authors in general if people are releasing books and they've got a planned trilogy and if everyone thought that way and nobody buys book one, uh, that's going to be a problem. So what I would say is this is a uh, heroic fantasy trilogy that is right now complete. It is waiting for you. And if you've not read any of those books, uh, I mean, what's your excuse? I guess I would say. Yeah, um, it's great to have the entire trilogy ready for you to read. Yeah. But but at the same time, I mean, there. It, George R.R. R. Martin excluded. It's always kind of exciting to wait for the next book to come out in a trilogy or whatever it might be. But having all three right there, no brainer. Right. The, the George Martins and the Patrick Rothfusses of the world are, I think, maybe made people a little hesitant. I'm not someone who comes in and hammers on an author because they're not finishing a thing. They, it's their choice what they want to do. But I, I would just put it out there that this this trilogy is done as of right now and howard you get a starred review in publishers weekly uh for your first book and then uh recently for this most recent i mean that's got to feel pretty good I, i'll never feel that oh well who knows maybe you will right? <laughs> well yeah. i'm not i'm not that old i guess i could get <laughs> you don't look that old your hair's a lot less gray than mine oh uh, <laughs> well yeah it feels pretty good that's that's great oh uh, I'm delighted by that. And I, I like that uh, people are saying that, yeah, it's fast paced and they love the characters and they can get immersed in it and it's full of surprises. That's what I wanted them to find. That, that yeah. delights me. Uh, you, what you want to do when you're writing is, is bring readers the same joy you first felt when you were reading this stuff. I mean, I didn't become a writer because I knew I would get um, a big chest of pirate gold in a gold limousine. Most writers don't get that. They wanted, I wanted to join the conversation. It's like, wow, that's really cool. I hope I can make some readers feel that cool someday when they sit down with mine. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, amen to that. How long uh, have you been working on this trilogy? Oh, gosh. Well, some of the characters have been kicking around in my head for 25 years or so, but I haven't been working on just this for 25 years. I had ideas that didn't work out, but I held on to the characters. And then I revisited it about 15 years ago, and I still couldn't quite get it to work, but I had even more characters uh, that I ended up ended up making into the final draft. And then finally, um, I guess... I've been working on it for about five years in its current incarnation, bringing some of the characters with me have survived that long. One of whom, if you've started the book at all, uh, Kirkenall is one of the oldest ones. Mm. And he's been there from the very beginning. Now, we talked before about, you know, you're a gamer, you're a GM. Um, did you cannibalize any of your uh, RPG stuff for the series at all? Oh, that's a good question. Well, there was an amber role-playing game for a while, and I right. played I played a character who was sort of a proto-Kirkenal once in someone else's campaign. Uh, role-playing, of course, allows you to design personalities and play them. Yeah. And so I actually got to play around with a proto-version of Kirkenal, and that was a blast. I loved the character so much. Mm. Um, and hopefully other people love him, too. That's... I generally hear that a lot of people say he's their favorite or one of their favorites, even though he's not the protagonist, he's an important secondary figure. So yeah, there's some characters there in, in a weird way. Uh, one of them who I will not mention um, started because I just wanted to spend some more time with Benedict of Amber, who's one of my very favorite fictional characters. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, characters are so key. Um, and for me, that's what, that's what keeps me turning the pages, right? And uh, I, um, like from your, like, I know we brought this up before, but Debir and Asim, um, that dynamic was just, it's just captivating. It's perfect. Um, yeah, it's, especially too where, I don't know, you, you want your means to kind of like have a sort of respect for one another at a certain point, but then to kind of, uh what's the what am i like create some friction too um even if their goals are the same right you got to have a little a little conflict in there between the two or it's interpersonal it's tension yeah exactly yeah. It, it's so much more entertaining to watch them if they don't get along perfectly take some, butch cassidy sundance kid is one of my very favorite movies oh yeah, yeah. classic it's, it's the interplay of those two characters that makes that thing there's really not that much of a plot to it the plot is watching them be chased and uh, come up with plans and banter. Yeah. <laughs> Grand stuff. And yeah. then there's a bicycle montage. Yes. The stupid bicycle montage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've actually not seen that film. So you can chuck things at me right now. Oh I know. <laughs> I know. Listen, maybe Ouch. it's a, it's an, it's a Western, right? Of sorts. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, I feel like Canadians and Americans have different attachments when it comes to the Western. Like there's no, I, I like Westerns. Like I, I love um, Sergio Leone's films, um, but it's not, it's not ingrained in our culture in the same way. I had this explained to me one time that the United States is the only, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, only country that has had an experience of the West like we have had that there's yeah. been no, that we are the only country that's actually had a Western experience. 
I think that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. And I, I think that's ter- why it's... in terms of like the wild west. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. And that's why it's so ingrained into our psyche, our DNA, you know, a gunslinger and, you know, the, yeah. the, the good guy wearing a white 12 gallon or uh, what are they? A uh, 10 gallon hat. 10 gallon hat. Um, you know, that will always be, you know, in the mindset of Americans. Yeah. Canadians, I don't know, some guy in like red flannel, maybe, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some guy in uh, northern Quebec on a maple syrup farm, you know. <laughs> Mon Dieu. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry to my French friends that the team at Monolith's gonna uh get mad at me. But French Canadians and you know, Paris Canadians, that's us or uh Paris Canadians. Paris Canadians? <laughs> France, French. It's, it's different. Paris Canadians. Uh, I guess that's kind of like Quebec City. Anyways, let's move past it. <laughs> so uh, for Howard, uh, the new book is When the Goddess Wakes. Um, the series is Ringsworn and the first book for The Killing of Kings to start on this trilogy, which you can complete today. You do not have to wait is currently up for $2.99 on Amazon.com. Um, really, uh, we say it all the time, support your local sword and sorcery author, your local heroic fiction author. Um, and I will say it again, and I'll keep saying it. It's super important that we buy and review books. Yeah, um, reviews are super important. Super yeah, important. They are, but it, and it's also just, listen, I know most people who are listening to the show have a giant to-be-read stack. Okay, I do in the basement. It's endless and it keeps yeah. growing. Um, and that's okay. Keep buying and adding to it. I call that shelves. my yeah, I call that my pile of shame. Yeah, it's a pile of shame, <laughs> but I mean but it's also how much do you love when you finished a book and you go look at that pile and then your fingers are fluttering thinking, what next? That's a great feeling, right? Sure. Okay. So Howard, something else we want to throw at you. I think we've mentioned this before. Actually, before we do, before we get into that, um, I solicited on the, the wet questions. The, yeah, the Whetstone Discord, <laughs> uh, which is an awesome little place. Um, there's a few awesome spots on the internet or in social media land that I suggest you frequent. Um, if you're into this stuff, if you want a friendly place, the Whetstone Discord is one. Um, Conan Gaming Group on Facebook is another. Grimdark Fiction Reading and Readers and Writers is also an awesome group on Facebook. Oh. Um, I encourage you, if you are into those things, get involved and come on down. But on Whetstone, uh, I basically said, you know, we're interviewing Howard Andrew Jones tonight. Does anyone have any interesting questions they want to throw at him that he has not yet heard? So this is going to be, we're going to, we're going to blindside him. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one, which is not a, a funny question is from somebody named Wicked. And they ask, is Tales from the Magician Skull going to open up for such submissions again anytime this decade after they got such a landslide of subs? Well, I don't know for sure. We've, <laughs> talked about, uh, we've talked about opening maybe in the spring. We originally talked about maybe opening in the winter for a couple of weeks, but I don't know that we will. As a matter of fact, there's still a few final decisions that have to be made. Um, so if we do open, it won't be again until next year. And we would probably only open for a few weeks this time rather than a few months. Sure. I have learned my sure. lesson. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot. Yes. Many, um, many interns were lost in the process. (laughs) Worn them for years. Very sad. Have you, had you, have you etched their names anywhere? Well, they were etched, they were tattooed into one of the other interns, but then he got immolated by accident. So, yeah. you know, so <laughs> that's it for that. Those, those names are lost to history. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I remember uh, sort of watching that unfold and you guys had a very long open period and you got a stupid amount of subs, like almost 600 or something. It, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> I, I had, I had, I had these plans that i would be able to eat and sleep regularly <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 logan and i have talked about um we want to do a rogues in the house volume two just a little fiction sampler right just to support the show get money funds whatever yeah and uh i mean new keep... computers so i don't have to drop out of the meat <laughs> <laughs> yeah right uh but it's like we think about ways that we could all right so should we have subs i'm like no no, I can't do it, man. I can't like I've because I've seen so many stories like this, right? Where people just get buried because yeah. there's a lot of people out there who want to who want to write or who are writers. And I mean, I get well, it. That's the I'm thing. We, we want to be able to be open. We want to be a venue. Uh, we're working on some stuff behind the scenes that's that's pretty cool and things going to have people excited about our future plans. But I can't talk about those yet. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't. You'll be emulated. <laughs> I don't know. You might have like some kind of protective spell over you well, being an editor there. Joseph and I, Joseph is, is last to be emulated. I am next to last to be emulated. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> pretty far down the list because of our importance to the skulls, grand designs. Right. Publisher, editor, right. Interns. Makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, okay. So one other question, which is funny. Uh, oh shoot. I got to pull it up here. This is from uh, our friend Scott Odin, uh, who has been a blog master. Scott's hilarious, and uh, yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's been ruffling some feathers lately with a few blog, uh, blog posts, which I, I think is funny because we know and we know where he's coming from, right? Um, oh shoot, I'm in the wrong thing. Yeah, me here. too. I think I got it. Yeah, get it. Go for it, Logan. I'm going. Let's see if we can. He asked. Why don't you embrace the paisley shirt with chicken pick as your author photo? You know it's the way. You know it's true. Well, you know what? Um, that picture has more hair than I currently have. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't want to. You don't want false advertising. I don't want to. I don't want to advertise falsely. The hairline has receded an awful lot over the last over the last little bit. So. Um, yeah, and that chicken is long dead, and the Paisley uh-huh. shirt has has holes in it now. So <laughs> I wouldn't want to misrepresent myself. Uh, my editor wouldn't let me use that pick. I sent that to him, and he said, "That's demented." <laughs> 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 we're trying to get a, we're trying to get a good author shot of me on the back porch, and. I am terrible at getting a relaxed picture. If anyone tries to get a picture of me, I instantly freeze. <laughs> and so my daughter ran and grabbed one of the chickens and she says, here, dad. And she must've been like, I don't know, seven or eight at the time. Maybe, no, maybe she was 10 uh, and hands me that chicken. 
And so naturally I strike the villain pose, you know, fetch it, my pretty. And, um, and uh, that's, that's where that, that's where that picture came from. And, uh, it actually well, turned out one of the better ones from the set, but of course it's absurd. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like some of those really bad album covers from the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know who talked the Beatles into that uh, cover where they're sitting there with all the dolls and knives. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they were told they were just, they were just taking some random shots. Then some, someone decided that would make a great album cover. You know, they were doing like some surreal, some surreal shots and someone slapped that on the American version of, um, uh, it was a compilation album. So yeah, I don't think I've seen that one. It it's must called be. Yesterday and Today. You've and not there seen a that. Huge, there was a huge outcry over it. And uh, um, most of them were recalled and they slapped over a, a, a different cover. Huh. But uh, people would steam off the replacement cover so they could see this terrible thing. Yeah. Yeah. And There's some a, people, some and people you, bought it before it got recalled. And those, I'm sure. Are, are those worth, are worth a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet. Wowzers. There we go. Beatles facts. I feel like we had a Beatles fact last episode you were on too. That's my yeah, fault. Think... <laughs> it's all right. I, it's I always end up it. talking about the Beatles or the original Star Trek somehow. Oh, dude, I'm like all over with the Star yeah. Trek, man. He I'm like a Trekkie. Huge. <laughs> I grew Trekkie. up watching the original Star Trek. That was my first uh, first um, intro to any kind of genre. You know, same. Same here. When I first caught it. Yeah. Same here. Same Star, here. Star Trek is the Beatles of sci-fi. <laughs> that's a you know that's very astute yeah, actually <laughs> wow I, I was thinking it and i was like i feel like this is right i'm gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> and i'm gonna steal it so the stones yeah. are star wars is that what's is that is that how that would go mm. would the stones be star wars or would that be like the who i don't know that, I was that's gonna, what i was thinking i mean yeah. i love the who and i love star trek i would hate to put the who in with star wars i don't know uh hmm. yeah yeah oh. that's fair oh. maybe uh okay I got, we got to think on this. This is yeah, but I'm stealing that. Star Trek is the Beatles of sci-fi. I mean, I think I think you could you could create some arguments there. Yeah, I, I mean, like some some bullet points of why that's true, or, or not true. Someone someone right now is going, it's not yeah. true at all. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but think get- about it, because. The old series, right? The sorry, I'm getting into it now, but like, yeah, the Captain Kirk series is a little more bubblegum in the sense of like the older, earlier Beatles tunes, right? Not as, um, but there's some depth know. to them that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm you've got to watch, yeah. You know, I'm not saying, you know, I want to hold your hand, we know what they were talking about, <laughs> just holding the hand, okay. And <laughs> likewise, there was some other things going on in the original Trek that, like you say, there's depth. Um, but their later albums are more Star Trek The Next Generation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm neither that. a huge Beatles fan nor a huge Star Trek fan. Yet here I go. And then you get things like, uh, you know. Uh, uh, no, I don't know that that's a great analogy. Um, yeah. Go. All right. <laughs> yeah, not being a huge fan of The, the Next Generation. Um, yeah, of course, the third season of the original Star Trek is pretty bad because they, they kind of – they kind of lobotomized it by removing the, the great story editor left, uh, right. the great producers left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they put someone in charge of it who didn't really know Trek and they gave a different story editor, but the, there's all kinds of, don't get me wrong. There's some lame episodes in both the first and the second season too. Although first season is fairly strong. Second season has some great stuff like the doomsday machine mm. is just an amazing adventure story, but it, um, also doubles if you look between the lines as, as this great parable about um, uh, the dangers of 
uh, weapons of mass destruction, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it like mm. a bad Star Trek episode does. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure. I don't even want to get into the current iteration of Star Trek. I haven't even seen it. Um, I keep hearing that maybe I should watch it. So Only so that you can pick it apart. Oh, really? That doesn't sound like fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about Discovery or Picard? Well, a little bit of Picard, more Discovery. Um, Discovery, I to me, as a diehard Star Trek fan, watched it from beginning to all the way through Enterprise and such. The best thing to come out of Discovery is the new Captain Pike series. I've heard that that looked that, that they did a really great job with Captain Pike. So I'll have yeah. to check, check that out. Yeah. Man. I care nothing for any of the characters in the new Discovery. There's just huh. n- nothing for me to attach myself to. And in order That's to. Bad. Yeah. Wow. Well, see, and interestingly, uh, as a sort of. I only kind of like Star Trek, but I really do like the original. Anytime that's on, I can yeah, watch yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've been drawn to was the characters because especially, you know, Bones yep. and uh, Kirk and Spock, like that that trio in in that first series is like, they're all awesome. And they're, they're funny. They're, you know, I could watch that all day. And well, look, look, the writing in that one, these people grew up a lot of them were World War II vets who were doing the writing or they grew up yeah. uh, surrounded by World War II. There's a sense of responsibility and duty. There's a depth to it. And a lot of these writers were uh, steeped in hard-boiled traditions. So the storytelling is sharp. The character writing is sharp. That's not to say that you're not going to get some hokey stuff um, in there. But the really good episodes are really strongly scripted and, uh, and stand up. I guess some modern viewers are going to have trouble with special effects and some of the attitudes, but well, that's fun. That's fun. It's, it's, that's its own charm. Yeah. 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 It's its own charm. And the storytelling is, if you try to just focus on the storytelling, there's some really great stuff there and some important lessons uh, that writers can learn from. Honestly. Mm. I was personally drawn to torn shirts and flying jumps, jump kicks. Who isn't <laughs> right. Yeah. That did it for me. Yeah, that's how I thought you you, you were supposed to fight. Do you, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. do you guys know how many times I tried to pull that on my friends in PE class? <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't break a leg or somebody's neck. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even I'm not even kidding. That's the part of it that I do really like. Is, yeah, is, yeah. I love that cheese, man. I really do. I like uh, that episode. What's the episode where they have the? I can't even believe we're talking about Star Trek on Rogues in the House. Some people, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, it's all adjacent. It's all adjacent. It's, fine. it's your show. Yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah, it's our show. But I, I, the episode with the rock, you know, it's that rock creature. Oh yeah, is, uh, uh, the devil in the dark that is ailing, and Spock is like putting his hands on. He's like, it's in pain or, yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, devil yeah. in the dark. Dark. Yeah, yeah. I, that one always stuck with me. I that is that. a fan. I love favorite. that you guys know the title just based on the big rock guy. <laughs> I've seen those episodes. Keep in mind, I grew up in the early 70s. There was no good speculative fiction on television. Yeah. You would occasionally, where I was based, you would occasionally get an episode of The Twilight Zone, but it would be on very late. Sure. It would rerun Star Trek endlessly. Every now and then, some other thing would come on, like Space 1999, which I tried to like, but I I didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But Star Trek was on endless rerun. And so if you dug science fiction and and fantasy 
um, that was about the only thing that was on for years and years and years. And so we watched it repeatedly. There's only 79 episodes, and there's a good chunk of them that really aren't that great, unfortunately. Would you? But the good ones stick with you. And you you watch even the bad ones for those not anymore, I don't. But when I was a kid, you'd watch even the bad ones for a couple of fine moments that would occur in them or, you know, you know, a, a cheesy fight scene. And then the, the really good ones, uh, I could catch them now and they still kind of sock it to you. But, um, yeah, it it was a generational thing, I guess. Of course, it was generational. But would you also uh, agree with um, – we're spoiled now. We have so much yes. stuff coming at us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even sure. bad stuff gets accepted and finds a niche and finds a fandom and it's absolute shite, you know, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I, that was actually what I was going to say is that I, I can't, we are, everyone is so spoiled now and they don't know it in a way, yeah, right? Like, I, I especially if, whether it's video games or if it's, um, you know, movies, television, the fact that you can stream television, I remember having to record things. On, anyways, we, we don't need to turn it into the old man show, but. But it's worth mentioning, man. It's yeah. Logan. a lot of options here. Yeah, yeah. Logan Logan literally yeah, I do end up in the Zoom meeting. Yeah, I try to be polite. Yeah. Um, so you said something that it's actually kind of sparked a question in my head. You use the term speculative fiction and then followed it up with for fans of sci-fi and fantasy. So just being a, um, I don't know, a, 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 like Matt said, a green author in a lot of respects, um, I have noticed that I think the word, the term genre writer has kind of gotten a bad rap among like the writing groups I'm in. Like I'll say all day, I'm a genre writer. Like I write pulpy sci-fi and or fantasy but I've also seen people be like, that's speculative fiction now. And I was kind of wondering, what does that term mean to you? Does that make sense? I don't have a dog in that fight. That's uh, fair. That's fair. I, I consider this just this big umbrella term yeah. uh, to, to cover all those things. Um, I write what I write. You know, I'm in my early 50s now and uh, I'm comfortable enough finally in my own skin. It's like, well, if you don't like what I write, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm probably never going to win any awards. I'm probably never going to get a prestigious invite to some uh, literary convention, but I'm no longer angry about, uh, oh my God, they aren't taking me seriously. I don't care. Sure. Yeah. That's so I don't care what, I don't care if it's called spec fic or fantasy or what is, is yeah. I don't know. I was just curious because you said it and I was like, that reminds me because I've seen conversations in writing groups that like, I, I think based on interactions on internet or the internet, um, like it's kind of looked down on to be like a speculative fiction writer um, because it's like a term for genre. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's weird to me. Yeah, the writing yeah, no, no. It's, it's a good question. And, and I think we can divide ourselves and compartmentalize ourselves a lot more than we need to. Sure. Uh, I, I used to just read this kind of stuff or that kind of stuff. And, and anymore, I read a whole big, broad range of things. And I see now that it's much more interrelated than I realize. I, I love a good adventure story. 
It can right. be a detective adventure story. It can be a Western. It can be historical swashbuckler. It can be sword and sorcery. It can be sword and planet. It can be space opera. Although I don't actually read as much space opera as I did when I was a kid. Sure. Um, but that's what I dig. And that's probably what I'm going to keep digging. Uh, I might occasionally read some lit fiction and, and groove on it or some other genre. But I know what I like and I know what I like to write. And uh, if someone wants to degrade that, well, that's their issue, not mine. I'm perfectly okay. happy. Love it. That's a yeah, good message. Totally fair. And actually, that, that reminds me, a, a conversation I want to have perhaps on this show is yeah, I'm, I'm in two different minds where I'm like, in some ways, rigid or pure or whatever genre definitions are very helpful. And in another they're destructive and weird and clicky. And I, I want to almost just hash it out and be like, do we like what? Anyways, I don't want to bring it up because then we're going to start talking about it, but because I feel like it's its own topic, but sure. I can, know, I could talk about that, but I bet you could. And you were someone I was thinking was like, I feel like Howard would have a lot to say. And I think Scott, Odin would have a lot to say. In fact, I read an oh essay on it, so maybe that's a show, right? Oh, I, I would yeah. love to sit down with Scott and you guys and, and yeah. talk about That'd all that. So fun. let's pencil that in potentially uh, for the future because I think that's I think it's worth talking about. Um, that's actually sure. I'm glad that you mentioned that because like I've recently kind of like broken down some walls and how I define um, I define genres, and I think Safford and the Great Mouser is part of that. Yeah. Um, originally, when we had done the episode, we had re- read just Swords and Deviltry, which Ilmet and Lankmar is fantastic, but I was not a fan of the other two origin stories. With good but I recently, yeah, yeah I, I recently picked up Swords Against Death. That's and my I have favorite. not had as much fun reading Sword and Sorcery since I first picked up Conan. He's just got immense imagination that I do not see outside or like outside of his writing. Um, and I, I don't know, like he wrote that earlier, like you there's know, so much, he came back that? and he wrote that earlier than swords against. Yes. And, yes. and that throws people off. They'll, they'll come right. in. A lot of people start, well, I'm going to read far from gray mouse and read swords against devil and they stop. And it's such a disservice. Unfortunately, he came back later and created a saga, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he had more juice and the earlier stories, and those are in Definitely. Swords Against Death. And I was so lucky because when I first went to the library and the bookstore and the used bookstore with Appendix N in my hand, a Xerox of it, or maybe I just wrote it down in my notebook, you know, riding my bicycle. I was a little kid. That's awesome. Junior high. I found Swords Against Death first. That and the Chronicles of Amber blew the doors off my imagination. That was those sure. were my entry drugs into heroic fiction and sword and sorcery. And I was so glad in later years after I read the other Longmar. You know, there's other good Longmar books, but I'm so glad I didn't read Swords Against Deviltry first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um uh, but yeah, actually, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go Howard, ahead. I would say uh it's funny you were saying about how I won't win a prestigious award or be invited to a convention or blah, blah, blah. And uh, I met you at Gen Con a couple of years ago, and there you were working at the uh, the Goodman Games booth, sold me a copy of The Magician's Skull, and you actually, I remember you saying, because I had read a little bit of Liber, but you said Swords Against Death is the best one. And when I got back from that, I ordered the book, 
And I remember reading it on my vacation in Mexico and it was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> in a way that that's, you left a big impression on me in, in that regard. And um, I picked that book up and yeah, I agree. It's, it's awesome. Does, I'm glad you guys liked it. Which one? That's Swords Against Death, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, the, that's second the second one. Yeah. Okay, which one has the story of Fafford and, and Mouser went under the sea and they're in this big air bubble under the sea? And that is such a great, hilarious interaction because Mouser is like thinking that the ocean is oh, going to collapse. Mouser's freaking out. He's and freaking then, out. And then, then Fafford's like, I'm going to stick my finger in the ocean and, you know, poke a hole in the bubble. And, yeah, you know. he's, it's, yeah, and it begins to drip in, and then Fafford yeah. says, "Trust me, Mouser. There's magic afoot." Yes, <laughs> and <It's>, Mouser, <laughs> he's freaking out. He's like, "You're going to kill us, dude!" <laughs> I, I believe that's I when the sea kings away, and that's that from that far. But I believe the story is when the sea king, away. Yeah. yeah, when the yeah, sea yeah. king is away. In the myth. And that's from the collection Swords, Swords in the Mist. And that has a that has some really good ones in it, but it has yeah, yeah. probably my least favorite of the early ones is at the back of that one. Is that the uh, one where they're traveling in uh, like Byzantium? Yeah, or... you could not pay me to oh, reread really? that one. Um, <laughs> and I, I love I love Fritz Leiber's writing, but that's like a very early story. Yeah, and she horned it in there, and you can tell. Yeah. Um, and then it, I I might even like that less than I like Veil of Lost Women. And I love uh, I love Robert E. Howard and Conan, but I, I'm ooh. not a big fan of big, not a big fan of Pale of Lost Women. Um, yeah, you're not alone. I like there. Swords in the Mist. I like um, Swords yeah. of the Wizardry is also good, and then the the novel uh, has some really fine moments too. And then uh, I'm not as big a fan of anything after that. At that point, he was uh, writing. Which one's the novel? Uh, isn't that just the Swords of Lankmar? Isn't that what it's called? It's kind of I, a fix-up novel. It's really two novellas that are sort of... Oh, okay. I don't have I think, that one. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm currently... It's in my sh uh, pile of shame. Um, Heroes and Monsters or Heroes and Horrors. That's it by Moorcock. And it's got a few short stories of Fafford and Mouser. Um, and then it's got his horror stories that he's written, which is an interesting... I've never read any of the stuff, so I'm hoping to pick that well, up. There's, and, a, there's a couple of those that are classic. Um, mm -hmm. I think that you'll definitely dig those. Cool. Cool. And Howard, you have uh, a really interesting situation going on at the skull, Tales from the Magician's Skull, where you have approval. Well, actually, is it this issue is already out, isn't it? Or issue, is it six, issue, issue six just got released um, and cool. is heading out to subscribers now. Okay. Uh, it's been available as a PDF, I think, for just a little bit if yeah. you were a subscriber. I don't know if you could buy it if you weren't a subscriber yet. So, yes, we um, we have an agreement with the estate of Fritz Leiber, and uh, we've tapped uh, the illustrious Nathan Long to write new tales of Fawford and the Grey Mouser, and the first of those is in issue six. So there's That's all so sorts cool. of reasons that you ought to be grooving on uh, Tales from the Magician's Skull. And... <laughs> Now, one of the additional ones is that we are going to be publishing new stories of Fawford and the Grey Mouser. And rest assured, this isn't just a cash grab. We mm. selected someone we thought would do a very fine job doing it. And we try to keep in the spirit of the characters 
and the spirit of the place and um, bring some more fun. Longmore. That's fantastic. Yeah, we are uh, indeed excited about that. And a magician skull, you can get it um, direct from the publisher, but also Amazon, correct? Can get it from Amazon as well. Yeah. There's something screwy with the search engine. If you search for magician skull, um, it doesn't always turn up all the issues on Amazon, but hopefully yeah. that's going to be cleared up here sooner or later. I know that if you search for issue six, I think it'll turn up. Uh, yeah. Well, you can always get it from Goodman Games. I know from being having to do Amazon.ca, it often does that. If I search, you know, weird book on Amazon.com, there's no issues. I try it on .ca and it's like I have to put the actual issue in or it doesn't. Anyways, yeah, rest strange. assured, it is, it, is, it is there or will be there. Um, and that's a, I mean, listen, what a, what a, what a great way to support sword and sorcery. And if we, I like to think that we sort of agree we're in somewhat of a Renaissance here, if not a Renaissance, then a, um, a, re a revival. Yeah. yeah or yeah. just, or just a healthy period, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Right. I would sure like to think so. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's all kinds of great stuff. That's, uh, that's come along recently and uh, people are breathing life into things and having fun. And let's hope that we can all gather around and support it together rather than going off into our own little cubicles and arguing about how to define sword and sorcery. Right. So that's, that's exactly what I'm kind of alluding to with wanting to have that conversation, right? It's like uh, we should all, yeah, we should be supporting one another. And, and that comes from, um, you know, buying the books, but, because everyone wants to be a writer, right? I know a thousand people who want to be a writer and people who are writers and that's great, but we got to, we got to put our money where our mouth is too, right? We got to be, we got to be celebrating the old stuff, but we also have to be trying the new stuff. I love the old stuff as much as yeah. anybody. And I mean, you can tell probably by the way I sound about it, but I also want to see the new stuff take flight. We can't just always be talking about, um, things authors who are no longer with us yes celebrate them so their work isn't forgotten learn them uh, study them uh, celebrate them but then go out and see what other people are doing yeah exactly. definitely definitely yeah. i mean i like to think that's uh, uh sort of rolled into the ethos of the whole show right is i mean what else are we doing we don't just want to talk about old stuff all the time yeah. it's like what is it now this is about sword and sorcery and heroic fantasy in a modern context um, as much as it is about what's happening or what or what has happened. So, yeah. Dean, was your hand up a second ago? Yeah, it was not necessarily. Yes, it was. It was not necessarily related to what we're talking about. I was actually thinking it might be better for the end of the show. But you mentioned that you were uh, working with Goodman Games, correct? Yeah, or, oh, yeah, they're the publisher of Tales from the Magician's yeah. Skull, the mighty Joseph Goodman. Yeah. Are you, uh, is Goodman Games going to be present at Gen Con and will you be there also? Alas, not this year. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully things will be resuming next year. And okay. I, I indeed, that's my closest big convention is Gen Con. I'm only a few hours away. So I typically go there, especially uh, to be at the Goodman Games booth. And yeah. they used to have a great uh, writer's symposium there, sort of the, mm -hmm. the writer part of the convention. And uh, unfortunately, and then, that's yeah. on hiatus. And I don't know if it's oh. going to be taken up by new hands or not. 
Yeah, uh, hopefully it will, because it's always well attended. Um, I have many friends who've gone to the Writers Symposium at Gen Con, and they always come out just, you know, jazzed and filled up with all kinds of new energy and ideas and stuff like that. So, but I was, I am attending this year at Gen Con, and I thought maybe we could actually meet in person. But um, cool. That would have been cool. I, I was planning to go, but without the Writers Symposium or Goodman Games being there this year, it did not seem like it was um, an opportune time to go. Sure. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I actually got one more question here that popped up on the Discord. This is Dragoon Chuck, which is that's your buddy, isn't it, Logan? Chuck, yeah, he's um, one of the editors at Whetstone. Right. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, what's his last name? Uh, Clark. Chuck, Chuck Clark. Clark. Good guy. Definitely yeah. supporting uh, all of this stuff. Um, and he asks, which was actually a question I was going to ask you to kind of uh, end off with is, so you've just, this is, you finished a trilogy and uh, what are you, uh, what are you doing next? What are your thoughts? What do you want to do? Well, I'm just about done with a new book and I'm uh, really excited about it. I think it's, uh, it's even more sword and sandal than any, anything else you've seen from me so far, unless you've been reading Magician's Skull. If you've been reading Magician's Skull, then you've seen the stories of Hanavar Cabrera. And this wow. is, um, this is a serial novel featuring Hanavar Cabrera. Oh, cool. Sweet. And are you, are you, uh, who's, who's publishing? Yeah. You just... I don't have one lined up yet. Uh, I'm collecting blurbs for it. And mm. my agent's going to go shopping just as soon as I get done with the manuscript, which probably is going to happen in the next four weeks. Oh, rad. Congratulations. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. A serial novel. I mean, that's. Well, That's you know, awesome. it's based on the idea of uh, each story. Well, you remember what uh, the Cujo the Clever stories, not that mine is humorous and dark the way those are, uh, but this is, a, this is a sword and sorcery episodic. It would, it would make a wonderful Netflix TV show if anyone's paying oh. attention, right? <laughs> so each episode stands alone, but it builds on the one prior, and then there's a season climax. And hopefully there will be multiple seasons because I can't tell you how much fun I have writing this character and coming up with exciting and terrible challenge for him to face as he moves forward on his doomed quest. Now, awesome. if I remember right, he's based a, like roughly on Hannibal, like the historical Hannibal from Phoenicia. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Hannibal of Carthage geek. Uh, is that a thing? A Hannibal of Carthage yeah, geek? Yeah, it can be yeah. a thing. Yeah, the, the 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 elephants. Yeah, I mean, come on, the mountains. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, he's been he was a childhood hero of mine. I suppose that also makes me here. But by the time I was about fourteen or fifteen, I thought Hannibal Car of Carthage was the coolest. And it's not just because of all the amazing uh, battles, and he is one of the greatest generals of history. But it's uh, it's the man's character. And uh, well, you know, after the war, he came back home and he um, uh, he ended up being the leader of Carthage and he cleaned out corruption in the city. He reduced um, instead of senators being elected and having lifetime rule, he made it so they had to be elected every two years. Uh, Rome had imposed this huge war indemnity that Carthage had to pay off. And he cleaned up the corruption so efficiently, he paid off the thing that they thought would take 50 years to pay. He paid it off in like under 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he was so efficient at rooting out corruption that he made the, uh, made the 
aristocracy of Carthage furious with him, and they uh, they tried to turn him over to the Romans. And so then he had to flee Carthage and spend the rest of his life on the run, dodging the Romans. It's it's very sad. He has a tragic yeah, yeah, yeah. life. Huh. Did, did you know, know uh, Vin Diesel almost played him in an epic film? I did not know that. I feel like that would have been terrible. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I dig Vin Diesel. But <sighs> I don't know how he would have done it. I like Vin Diesel. I don't think I do. I think I don't like him. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I thought Pitch Black was kind of cool. Like, I, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we, we'll, we'll do the Vin Diesel episode later. A lot of our stories aren't. Uh, aren't so the character is based on um on hannibal but it's a different circumstance it's a secondary world um with an analog of the roman empire and you know if you know your history you know that the romans eventually came to carthage and smashed it right they they went off into slavery they sowed the ground with salt so nothing would ever grow there again and then they ritually cursed it uh and so this supposed well if Hannibal had been alive during the third Punic war, but wasn't there, what would he have done? And so that's the whole setup of the, of the Hanavar stories. It's this great general trying to rescue his doomed people and all the challenges encounters along the way. And again, like I said, it's, this is uh, more straight up sword and sorcery than anything I've written uh, before. Although I, I honestly think that um, the ring sworn trilogy is sword and sorcery. It's just more Zelazny era sword and sorcery whereas sure. this is mm. this is real sword and sandal stuff right yeah 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 interesting because i think i see uh heroic fiction seems to be the tag that gets assigned to um the ring swarm trilogy yeah well here's the thing though that that's the publisher's talk they also right. will use epic fantasy to describe it publishers are afraid of calling stuff sword and sorcery because for a long time there if you called it sword and sorcery people assume that you meant a uh, <laughs> A barbarian in a fur bikini. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low right? brow. Yeah. There's a low brow uh, association, right? There's like a low brow association because yeah. of all the uh, Conan knockoff movies, some yeah. of which are great fun, but many of which are kind of dopey. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There's some right? brutal ones. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so people either, so if you say sword and sorcery, people assume that, or uh, the term has gotten so diluted anymore by gaming. Uh, oh, it's a new sword and sorcery yeah. game. Well, then people think sword and sorcery means it's got a hobbit and a dwarf in it. It's like, well, no. No. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Again, here we are back to the term again, but sword and sorcery is such a useful term. If, if the, if people hadn't used it so loosely over the last 30 years, now it means almost nothing unless you're folks like us who groove on it and know, well, we know what sword and sorcery means, but fantasy fans might think it means high fantasy or that it means gaming fantasy or that it means Tolkien. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately if majority of people who hear it think it one way, then really what does it mean? Right. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's, yeah. I think that it has lost its meaning and I don't know that we're going to be able to recapture it. People, people describe yeah. Lord of the Rings as sword and sorcery. And I think I said this last time, uh, on the page, it reads differently, but on the screen, you can't tell that uh, this is written with a slower pace than a Conan yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, yeah. So I don't know what we can do. I don't want to start calling it Grimdark because Grimdark's a different animal too, but we need to come up with something well, that even, distinguishes it. And Grimdark has associations too. I get people like, oh, I don't want things to be all grim and dark. And I read something like Joe Abercrombie and it doesn't feel that way to me. So it's so like, funny. He's so funny. Right. It's clever. It's literary. It's uh, 
you know, it's, it's more modern prose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think anyways, you know what? Let's pop a to be continued sign in this conversation. Because <laughs> yeah. I, we got a lot of those. Yeah. I, I think we could have a good one. Take a few notes, maybe get Scott on here and Howard, and that would be an awesome episode. Oh, I'd love to do that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm betting Scott will be down as well. Yeah. He's, he's listening right now, nodding along. Yeah. <laughs> Waging his own personal war against. He's, he's about to blog about it. Everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's wondering why he doesn't have a cool picture with a paisley shirt and a chicken. Probably. <laughs> he's definitely wondering that. Yeah. Everyone wanna, wonders that. <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny on your, uh, because I was like, you know, doing the, um, the sharing for the last episode I had, I looked at your author picks and, uh, I like the one where you're looking all totally serious, like the blue steel one. You know, you're kind of just uh, looking at the camera and it's like, man, this guy looks almost mean. But you're not yeah. mean. <laughs> you're yeah, not someone mean. told me I look like an angry professor in that one. <laughs> it's really hard to get a picture of me where I look relaxed. That, the, one hey. that I've, the one that I've been trying to use now is one where my wife caught me as I was turning. And there's, I'm at like a Walt Disney Resort and you can see a couple of zebras in the background. <laughs> awesome. So you I look a, like I'm on. I'm look like I'm on African safari or something, right? Are you but, sure that wasn't just your farm in the background? That, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm a zebra. I'm a zebra farmer. Are you a victim of resting bitch face? <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah, maybe so. I look so angry. Oh <laughs> uh, well, guys, it's been a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I need to um, state again that. Um, Howard has a series out. It's now complete. It is the Ringsworn trilogy. And for The Killing of Kings is the first book. It is currently on Amazon for $2.99. And if you don't do that whole thing, then buy the freaking uh, hard copy and add it to your to be red pile. And when The Goddess Wakes is out now, support your friendly neighborhood uh, sword and sorcery author and go out and get it. And Any the fun? new Fafford and Gray Mouser story is currently out in Magician's Skull. Yeah, so I'm going to be all over that yeah, issue yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any final words, gentlemen? It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yes. it's always a pleasure. Um, you really mentioned earlier. It. You mentioned earlier that you were like what fifty something. You don't look a day over forty. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, we got to. <laughs> Sarah Frazetto commented last time on Dean and I uh, having fine German skin, you see, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably the best feather in my cap. Yeah, that's Uh, good. That's good. (laughs) I I will keep that one with me for a long time. Yeah, I shall shall not forget it. Uh, (laughs) So um, in conclusion, uh, keep listening to the podcast, share the podcast, buy the books. Let's keep this community tight. Reach out to us. um, And may your swords always remain sharp.